Welcome to Totem Talks with myself, Debbie Gray, and my guest, Tracy Groves. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that is going to shape the future of business. And it's a subject that I've been learning so much about since meeting Tracy a few months ago. I'll give a very brief introduction to you, Tracy, but we'll leave you to do a much better job. Tracy spent a large part of her career as a partner at PwC before setting up her own business, Intelligent FX, three years ago. Tracy, perhaps I can hand over to you now just to talk a bit more about what you do and also just to give some context to our discussion. Lovely. Thank you so much, Debs, and delighted to be here having this conversation with you. Um, this is a topic so close to my heart. I could talk about it forever, um, but it is something I feel that all of us need to learn so much more about. Um, so as you say, um, I was at PwC for many years, uh, focusing on global transformational change. So that's my area of expertise um, as a management consultant, an organization development practitioner. And in the last 10 years of my career, really driving the ethicability of business. So working as a forensic services partner, working with organizations to help hardwire business integrity and corporate ethics into the day-to-day -day policies, processes and procedures of business. But I think what really inspired me and actually led me to go on to develop my own business called Intelligent Ethics was the behavioral side of this. How do we unlock the potential in individuals to want to do the right thing, not because the rules, the legislation, the code of conduct tells us to do that, but because of the positive impact it can bring to all of us, uh, not just individually, but to the people that we work with, to wider society and the environment within which we're living. So that's what gets me up in the morning. That's my purpose, if we call it that. And currently now I've been um, leading intelligent ethics for the last three or so years. And I work, as I say, directly with organizations, either in a, an advisory capacity or actually in a leadership development uh, role, supporting them and enabling them to be the best that they can be when it comes to responsible business. So looking at the corporate governance of this, looking at how we hire this into the talent and the people management side of things, but actually thinking about how we can make this not just a strategic imperative, but one which commercially benefits all of us in its broadest sense from a financial prosperity as well as societal prosperity as well. So that's a bit about me, Debs. Thank you. Thank you so much. Just I'm going to ask you a few questions if that's all right. And, and the first one is um, what, what has changed to trigger this focus on sustainable business now? It's such a good place to start, actually, because... Um, sustainable business has been around as a concept for many years um, and it's something which I think has really accumulated and accelerated in particular in the last two to three years where we've seen a real focus on the environmental damage uh, which is happening as a consequence of what we're doing but also I think in terms of the ability to to measure and to quantify the outputs uh, which we can deliver. And there's a whole number of initiatives and movements which have really gathered pace. And I can, you know, there are so many devs that I could talk about, whether it's the kind of level of stakeholder activism, as I can call it that, putting uh, scrutiny and pressure on businesses to be seen to be making good ethical decisions in terms of their businesses, whether it's around um, research and, and looking at what makes a future corporation one that is sustainable. So the British Academy, for example, is doing a whole significant piece of work on the future of business. And it's also, you know, things such as the Business Roundtable, a very significant and high profile lobbying group over in the US, which has redefined purpose and has really put under the spotlight, why is business here? What purpose does it serve? What impact can it bring? And what 
good does it deliver? And there's a whole raft of Corporate Governance, Companies Act, uh, loads of you know, regulatory challenges now which organisations are having to respond to. And that's just so far. Um, and there's more coming as well. So I think the thing that shifted and changed for me, it's the breadth of pressure, challenges, demands that businesses are now being asked to demonstrate and report upon. That's not just financial. It's all of the non-financial things as well that are becoming just as important, if not more so. Thank you. And like so many things, is this just yet another passing phase? You know, the cynics might say that. Um, is sustainable value creation by business here to stay? Yeah, is this just a passing fad? You know, will we look back yeah. in 20 years time and say, well, that was then, this is now? Um, I genuinely don't think so. Given the fact we've already been talking about this for 30 or so years, when the concept of the, of the triple bottom line, people, planet and profit was first introduced as a concept, and if we think about this, is, this is before the financial crisis, and it's only gathered momentum even more so since then. So since then, we've had the UN Global Principles, we've had the FTSE for Good Index, we've had the UN Environmental Programme for Finance Initiative. There are so many things which have gathered pace. And I think, as I was saying, it's the number, volume, and the pace of which which is gathering. And if you think about the, the amount of ESG assets now, the amount of money that's being invested um, in strategies that incorporate Incorporate ESG into their processes and their investments, it's huge. I think just in UK and Europe alone, it's now nearly 500 billion um, in, in recent times. So I would say arguably, it's not going to go away. There are so many things and we know now, even as we look forward in the next two to three years, there is governance and regulation in the pipeline where it's going to force more transparency, more disclosure and reporting on things. So the world is changing. You know, there is a whole raft of issues and challenges, whether it's social cohesion, racial equality, first world poverty, you know, not, not to mention the climate emergency and the, and the global pandemic, which we're now in. But I think now that the environment within which we're operating is meaning that stakeholders are asking more of businesses and that the data and the analytics that which we can use to support that is also evolving as well. So I think we'll still be talking about this. In fact, we won't just be talking about it. We were going to have to start doing this, you know, <laughs> genuinely in, in real and in, in very tangible terms very quickly. You mentioned ESG there, um, environmental, social and governance. How do these factors translate into business issues for the legal sector specifically? And can you bring this to life for us just with a few practical examples? Yeah, sure. And, and I was asked a question, Debs, quite recently, actually, which is, is, is ESG the new CSR? <laughs> <laughs> and I was a bit taken aback by that because I, I feel it's, it's much more than CSR. This is much more a integrated business challenge-led um, movement, shall we say, that benefits society and all of us on a, on a very congruent basis. So, so for me, it's much more elevating it because it's looking at such a broad raft of things in a very joined up way. Whereas CSR arguably has been seen to be quite disconnected and silo-driven, this is looking at environmental, social and governance factors 
in a, in a narrative that is strategic, that is connected and coherent. So whether it's looking under environmental, whether it's looking at green buildings, carbon emissions, renewables, you know, it's thinking about the impact of that on people. So that's the social piece in terms of, you know, our human rights, our, our mental well-being, our physical health and safety, access to healthcare and finance, and thinking about how our data is being protected uh, and how potentially our privacy is being violated. And then how we monitor and govern that is, is the G bit. So in terms of how we report on that, what does that look like in terms of the decision making that we that we conduct as leaders of business and how we take ownership for the decisions that we make. So I'm hopefully I'm trying to get the message across, which is this is a narrative which is has a story to it, which needs to be consistent. Um, it needs to be reinforcing and self-validating. But most importantly, it needs to be done in a way that is authentic and is aligned to business strategy. So don't get me wrong, this is not fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> it is not intangible. This is very uh, visible and very practical in terms of some of the decisions that we need to make as businesses in terms of the products that we offer to our clients, the customers that we serve. It's not just what we're doing, it's how we're doing it. So I talk about being ESG as opposed to doing ESG. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a real yeah. subtle, significant difference there. So if I go back to your question, which is what does this mean, you know, for the legal sector, I think there are three questions, if I may, um, I think legal firms should ask themselves, and I'll go through those quite quickly, we may want to unpick those in a moment, but I think legal firms should be asking themselves, how can, firstly, how can we leverage ESG as an opportunity for growth, um, as a, in a time of, you know, massive uncertainty and anxiety, this is an opportunity to accelerate us ourselves out of a downturn in a way that not only benefits us, but most importantly, our people, the clients that we serve and the wider society within which we operate. So what expertise do we have within the firm that can really help to unlock this? So that's the first question I would ask. The second thing is by doing so, how can we unlock the potential of this to enable us to be much more resilient as a business? So this is going to enable law firms to be contemporary, to be relevant, and to actually anticipate client needs. You know, I think the worst thing we could do in the legal sector is to wait for clients to come to us. Most importantly, we should be anticipating and actually, you know, walking forward and, and embracing this and, and holding the, the question to our clients about how we can help in their transition to becoming a much more responsible and sustainable business. So this is about hardwiring it into the DNA of not only what we do as the law firm, but how we can become much more a trusted advisor and a long-term you know, critical friend to our clients. And then the third and final thing I think to ask ourselves is, if we don't do this, are we going to be able to sit at the boardroom table, have conversations with general counsels on this topic, on this agenda, which we know is becoming much more of an imperative on their board table. So if we are going to have to be seen to be aligned and trusted and part of that ecosystem for a client, we need to be able to have intelligent conversations. We need to be questioning and challenging how organizations are doing this. And we need to equip our people to do that. So do we have the right caliber of leaders within our own firms to be able to take this initiative? And what are we doing to empower and educate our teams within our firms to do this? So there's a whole lot of things. And it, for me, I see this as only a positive. It's going to be hard, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
nothing easy about this and I genuinely would say that because if it's easy then I would question the long-term stickability of it that's the whole thing this is about investing uh, in something which has a longer term purpose which is there but not only because it's the right thing to do uh, in the short term from a sustainability perspective but most importantly a position to the firm as a longer term advisor and something that is going to benefit all of us um, as, as as we continue so that's that's a start of a 10 to pose yeah. ourselves within the legal sector. Wonderful, thank you. Can you give us an example of how this could play out for a firm and a client? Like, what would a client be looking for with regards to ESG in a legal or a professional services provider? Well, I can tell you from my many years as a as a consultant within PwC that clients don't have legal challenges; they have challenges. <laughs> You know, when in my world, when I was servicing and working with clients to help unlock their corporate integrity challenges, to help to think about why people were conducting business in an inappropriate way, looking at their conduct and culture, they didn't look at this as as you know as a violation of policy or procedure. They came to me with a behavioural issue and an opportunity to think about how we can you know support our people to enable them to do the right thing. And I think from a, from a legal firm perspective clients are looking for integrated solutions they're not looking for a purely standalone legal solution they want something which is going to help their business transition from where they are now to where they need to get to so as a consequence legal firms need to understand the corporate culture of the company within which they, they're working with they need to understand its purpose they need to ensure that values are aligned in terms of how they work with the client and they also need to think about how they're going to conduct the work that actually meets their own purpose and that of the client as well so from a legal firm perspective they're looking at things far and beyond just the technical expertise, if I can call it that, but more which is empowering, enriching the business, and actually taking a, a leading voice out in the marketplace as well about this agenda. So, you know, is the law firm participating in external ESG forums? Is it actually personally putting itself out there in terms of what it stands for? And, and just having, um, dare I say this, just having a policy around inclusion or having a whistleblowing or a hotline or just some tick box approach to ESG within a law firm is not going to be enough now you know this is about having a license to operate so you know so many times i hear general counsels talking about how what's really wowed them is when they've talked to a member of the of the legal team who have genuinely talked with passion and with authenticity about the work that the law firm is doing about diversity or about employee voice or about mental wealth and, and well-being and that's the piece which is going to actually position the law firm as a critical advisor in the longer term and presumably also um, in a time where it's so hard to find really good talent and retain talent, um, how, a firm, um, uh, how a firm relates itself to ESG, how it, Im it implements ESG um, will have a huge impact on, on that as well, I, I, I guess. Is that right, do you think? Yes, very many of the clients that I'm working with are anticipating, you know, quite a lot of employee movement potentially down the further down the line as we come out of, of the global pandemic and thinking about all the decisions that, that they are making right now in terms of supporting their employees through a really challenging time 
if they're not thinking about this in the longer term, there may be, you know, a high turnover and a high rate of exit from, you know, the talent they really genuinely don't want to lose. So those high performing, those high talented individuals individually are going to be able to look back and say, actually, is that a climate where I want to remain? When I look at the decisions that they made, when I look at how they, you know, we behave towards each other, how we cared for each other, is this a place where I'm proud to be and I want to continue to be? And also, is it going to continue to attract that level of people? You know, so it's about, again, the values piece, you know, being in an environment where I can genuinely be myself and work together in a way that collectively benefits us all. Thank you. And lastly, Tracy, what practical advice do you have for firm leaders who are listening to this discussion today? Um, what would they need to consider and, and what do you think they need to do differently? Um, I'll, I'll simplify this, Debs, in terms of what I would suggest. But the first thing I would say is take stock of where you are right now. As, as an organisation, as a firm, where are you on this? Do you do you genuinely have this on your agenda as an opportunity, as something where you feel you can genuinely contribute and add value to your clients? So, as I said, just having the policy, just having a stated purpose is not going to be enough. How have you hardwired that into the way that you run the business and the firm? You know, how are you... In, integrating that into your decisions and how are you activating your purpose into your client propositions and your service solutions so that for me is going to be a really important kind of stop check in terms of where you are right now because actually you're going to have to think about moving forward new client success metrics in terms of what good looks like uh, as i say just doing what you've always done isn't going to be enough because the demands and the expectations are, go are going to rise so where you are and then thinking where you want to get to getting that uh, to be state is really important and that's the second thing i would say don't try and be everything esg if i can say that <laughs> you know <laughs> you know Absolutely, there are some things which is based on your client insights, your client data, work out what are the most relevant and material ESG trends that are impacting your clients right now um, and are going to in the future as well. Because this isn't about, you know, a sprint and trying to do anything and everything overnight. This is about creating and addressing responses to their demands, but in a way which shows genuine understanding and comprehension of their culture, of their conduct, and the challenges that they face. And that's going to require potentially new ways of working. You know, this is not something that can be done out of silos, because as I say, it's much more joined up and far more strategic. So what does that mean, therefore, in terms of the people that you need within your teams what are the new ways of working the new behaviors that you may want but more importantly how are you going to recognize and reward that as well so these are all the practical things that i would love to, to for law firms to really start to consider but actually at the end of the day the bottom line is if you genuinely want to and i see so much of this about being client-centric and putting your clients first being relevant being resilient and actually being contemporary in the world that we're living in today this is a must-have um, but don't just do it for its own sake do it because it's something that is genuinely ingrained in who you are as an organization and it's something that you believe in for the longer term that's wonderful Thank you so much, Tracy. I, I just find this completely fascinating and eye-opening. And what is very clear is in the very near future, law firms are going to have to give real meaning to this purpose, not, not just words. Um, 
I hope everybody listening has found it as interesting as I have. And if you want any more information or would like to be put in touch with Tracy, please do not hesitate to contact me. Thanks very much.